is the Go Blue Crew. Welcome into the Go Blue Crew. I'm Tyler Fenwick with Derek Devine. Derek, uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful Thursday evening in Indianapolis. Unseasonably warm still. I think this is our last week of decent weather until we get into the 30s and 40s, and then it's just down the hill from there. How is it up in uh, Michigan, where you are? I swear I said deja vu, because I, I think we had this conversation last week. Pretty much. Because it was supposed to be the last, you know, the last nice day of fall last week, and here we are, 70s plus, and yeah, but this is really it. Like, we're not going to come back next week and say... Hey, it's a beautiful Wednesday evening, and it's <laughs> just you know, one more 68. week to go. I saw a chance of snow. I saw teens in the nights Ooh. over the weekends. So yeah, enjoying it. Uh, but it is actually going to fade this time, and we'll be complaining about how cold it is this time next week. Have you ever done any like fall activities? Did you do the pumpkin patch or anything like that? Went to uh, you know, went to uh, basically a, a cider mill slash fruit farm. So I guess I could say that I. You know, got a cider slushy, got you know, some food trucks, stuff. So, yeah, you know, I guess that counts. What about you? No. First time in years. I don't know. It just never came up. It's getting Which, old, getting grouchy. <laughs> I, it's hard. I don't want to go. I just don't. So I, I didn't bring it up. Nobody else in my house brought it up, you know, one of those things. I was like, oh, maybe we, uh. Maybe we officially cleared the hurdle. I don't know. I feel like there's only a week or two left to hit that in like prime season before, you know, you risk going out there and it's 15 degrees with the wind, one of those deals. So, no, I think I avoided it this year. I'm pretty happy about that. Hey, man, whatever works for you, man. I, I, I think I took a year off last year. Um, Did you come back rejuvenated this year? Yeah, I, I think it was nice to have a break. This year, it didn't feel forced. I think years past, you know, oh, I got to do something fun. Got to got to hit the mill, and it's overcrowded, too many people. <laughs> so this year, just you know, kind of naturally happened, naturally worked out, went well for the most part, and got it over with. You know, don't have to do it again for, you know, three hundred sixty-five days. Yeah, no, that's good. I'll, I'm sure I'll get back next year and you know feel feel fresh, ready to tackle it. But I. Totally did not miss it this year. Um, Michigan has Nebraska coming up. And, of course, the unspoken thing here is, like, we don't want to do those things because it just seems to always interfere with some football. Whether it's college football, which is the bigger deal, I think, for us, or even a Sunday, you know, we want to watch some NFL games, or at least I do. I want, you know, I care about my fantasy team, that kind of thing. So, but, uh, yeah, that, I feel like I said it even though – that was understood probably by most people. This is a 3.30 kick on ABC. Nebraska going through it this season. They're 3-6. and six. Uh, Obviously had fired Scott Frost earlier this season, trying to, I guess from the Cornhuskers' perspective, just slide through the rest of the season, get into the offseason, get some things figured out. But... Um, this doesn't fall into the category of like one of those late season trap games. I don't think uh, for most people anyway. And in fact, the game next week against Illinois, you're talking about a, you know, a pretty good ranked team. I 
I don't think you can consider that a trap game either. So here we are two weeks away from Michigan, Ohio state. And I feel like we're always talking about like, well, that's a look ahead spot for Michigan. You know, who's standing in front of them, uh, potentially ready to trip them up. Well, the last two games on the schedule here before you have to worry about that are a really bad Nebraska team and then an Illinois team that I can't imagine you're going to overlook. So that's where Michigan is at this point in the season, Derek. And uh, I imagine you got to be feeling pretty good about where they are. Yeah. I mean, Michigan always takes care of business relatively well at home too. Uh, you, you know, especially under Jim Harbaugh, just in general, uh, even in the seasons that weren't as, uh, you know, good as some of the others. So I think you like the chances in the next two, you know, Nebraska down a starting quarterback. Uh, you know, we always talk about how the season flies by and I'll still say that 99 out of a hundred times. But when you mentioned Scott Frost, that does feel like forever ago. Uh, almost like to the point where it's like, did he even coach this season? Like that seems like they fired him forever ago, but there's been a talk about should Scott Frost be fired, you know, long before people started talking about that after 2020 for Jim Harbaugh. So maybe that's why it feels the way it does, but yeah, they're really just trying to survive and, you know, essentially rebuild this thing uh, yet again, uh, Illinois, I think, you know, a more serious opponent, uh, but they just lost to, to Michigan State uh, at home at that. Yeah. Uh, being, you know, a, a top 16, top 17 team, uh, kind of, you know, uh, destiny in hand and, and found a way to, uh, yeah, not play very well at all against Michigan State. I think you find a better effort out of them moving forward so they can try to salvage their season, you know, play for that, uh, that uh, for a, you know, a division uh, championship or at least uh, playing within the, the Big Ten championship. But hey, you know, I don't think any opponent this late in the season, you know, with injuries, uh, uh, with just, you know, the the grind of the season, I don't think anyone's easy, but you have to feel good about Michigan's chances. And it, and it feels, at least from a fan's perspective, that this is all but written in terms of the next two weeks. Uh, and pretty crazy to think that, you know, uh, we're in the same month where Michigan plays Ohio State. So, yeah, that's when the season feels like it flies by. But, you know, take care of business this weekend and you're well on your way to to likely a, a top three, if not even higher than that, depending what happens to Georgia, I guess, uh, you know, top two matchups. So, uh, yeah, uh, Michigan's in good hands uh, and I'm feeling better at this stage than I was last season. I think there was a chance, you know, they were playing well enough, even with a slip to Michigan State. But you kind of went in with zero expectations against Ohio State because you've lived through, you know, decade of disappointment. Uh, it looks like Ohio State, especially after, uh, you know, only scoring a few touchdowns on Northwestern, it feels like they're a beatable team. It feels like Michigan can pull away in the third quarter no matter what adversity they face in the first half, uh, which they did against Rutgers on the road. So, yeah, I mean, two good teams that are likely going to have, a, you know, a college football playoff caliber type matchup at the end of the season. Can we talk about Ohio State for a minute? Let's do it. Did you watch the Northwestern game? Uh, on and off. I can't remember exactly what I was doing, but uh, on and off for sure. I've watched, so I watched the whole game. I've watched quite a bit of Ohio State football, including uh, week one against Notre Dame. And every time they're on my TV, I honestly have the thought of like, gosh, yes, they're undefeated. They've got one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Uh, some of the best wide receivers in the country. And you still, I think, as a fan, have a right to be a little frustrated because Ryan Day has like a freaking sports car in his garage 
and he's trying to drive it like a Ford F-150. He's trying to, to play a brand of football that just does not match what Ohio State has on the field. They've got so much talent, and I feel like maybe this is just a a complex where I'm like literally scared of Ohio State football, but it feels like that's a team that should be able to go out and score 45 points on anybody. That should be like automatic. And instead, they're, it's like they're trying to prove that, that they can play between the tackles. They can be physical up front. You know, they can they can play the style of football that Michigan used to beat them with last season. And so in that sense, it almost feels like Michigan um, got under Ryan Day's skin and said, yeah, you know, you're really good. You've got a lot of talent, but here's what you can't do. And here's the thing that can get you beat. And it's like he spent every day since then trying to prove, no, that's not true. That, you know, my team is, uh, we have the toughness, we have the physicality. And it's like, dude, not really, but you don't need it. You've got CJ Stroud, you've got Marvin Harrison Jr. Like you've got a whole host of talent on that offense. Why are you trying to do this to that roster? It just doesn't make sense. So that's my takeaway when I look at Ohio State. And it was so apparent against Northwestern that, the philosophy that Ryan Day is trying to um, put Ohio State into just isn't a fit. And I think it, it looks awkward. And so as a fan, if you were a fan of Ohio State, I think you would have a right to just be a little bit frustrated right now. Yeah, I think first half Penn State and especially this game against uh, Northwestern, you're you're not loving. I mean, even, even the early parts of the Iowa game, uh, a lot of similarities with uh, – you know, with with Michigan, you know, they haven't really had the the close game, I guess, outside of Notre Dame, and you'd say that was Maryland for Michigan. But uh, you know, they win handily. They they score a lot of points early, uh, and then when they don't, you know, against like a Penn State, they usually pull away. And that forty four thirty one is probably even closer than it was. Cause I think Penn State scored yet again late too. They they kind of both scored a lot in the second half, uh, but they run away from from everybody else. So to see. Uh, Ohio State essentially play to the level of, of Northwestern, uh, a one-win team, uh, zero wins in the conference. Or no, I guess they did beat they beat a wow they beat Nebraska. Oh my goodness, that's their one win, isn't it? <laughs> um, I forget that that game was uh, yeah not only not in the states but first week of the season. Uh, again, yeah. that part of the season does feel like a while ago. Yeah. Um, but you know it, it's surprising, like you said, to see that talent and see them struggle. And it's not like they were just trying to, you know, like, oh, we're committed to the trenches and, and trying to get the run game going. You know, they passed 26 times, which, you know, you'd have to look at JJ's numbers or K's numbers from last year. feels like Michigan doesn't ever pass much more than that unless they have to. CJ Stroud was 10 for 26. Uh, I mean, it's got to be his first non-100-yard game ever. I mean, has he had a game under 100 yards when he has I the numbers that the he does? I think from the broadcast – the broadcast was talking about that, and I want to say that was the number they were throwing out as as like he had never thrown for fewer yards than that. And you've got two. You got you know uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., who looks like the best wide receiver in college football. You know, obviously with that limited to fifty one yards, which is still you know mostly caught half of the the caught balls. But yeah, it, it just didn't. It felt like a Michigan team that kind of plays to the level of its opponents and sneaks out of 
games that they should win, but makes them a little close. Kind of like any first half we've seen this year. You know, Maryland almost the whole way through. Indiana, most recently Rutgers. You know, throw Michigan State and Penn State in there. Um, You know, they've played much different football in the second half. But like a Michigan, you know, you kind of feel like they are shelled up in a a less than version of themselves. Are they saving something for Ohio State? I agree with you. It almost looks like Ohio State is looking to play Michigan-like football just in preparation of that end-of-season matchup because they know that Michigan's going to try to run all over them. I think that defense is improved. I think that offense is is scary good. Uh, But I do think that both teams are as evenly matched as maybe they've been recently and that's not just because Michigan's you know won most recently I I really do think that they have their own strengths and maybe their own weaknesses Uh, so I think they're more evenly matched even on paper this year Uh, if you compare a game to game you know not that far off Ohio State's obviously scored more points more points will win you a football game but yeah I mean it's weird to see them win 21 to 7 uh, at Northwestern because most years that's you know a 49 to nothing game for them yeah. Uh, going back from Michigan to the Rutgers game, we talked about Michigan's inability to, to finish drives. Like that was their glaring weakness. And they they go into the half uh, down 17-14. There were two first quarter touchdowns. Michigan kicked one field goal the whole game. You go to the second half, the scoring plays for Michigan in the third quarter, quarter alone – you got touchdown, 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 touchdown. You got a field goal in the fourth quarter, and a uh, uh, and an Isaiah Gash uh, touchdown with with uh, just over three minutes to play in the game and garbage time. There, I walked away feeling a little more confident in Michigan's ability to finish drives, and that's something Jim Harbaugh is being asked more and more about. I believe he said, you know, uh, philosophically on on offense at that point they're they're all about moving the ball forward. You don't want to take negative plays in those situations. Uh, did you walk away feeling like like maybe Michigan had actually addressed some things in, in terms of red uh, red zone scoring? Yeah, you know, I think it, it seemed like it. You know, they they scored uh, more often. You know, we had kind of talked about in our predictions. You know, uh, you know, my my thing was, hey, have have three of those five be a touchdown instead of a field goal. You know, obviously get you some more points on, on the board. You got to love that kind of explosion though. Obviously one of those was a pick six, uh, but three offensive touchdowns and a defensive touchdown in one quarter kind of reminded me, you know, you had like a 14, three ball game, no scoring in the second quarter in the big 10 championship. Uh, I think it was, you know, 21, three or something like that after um, three in the big 10 championship. And then they just, you know, kind of went nutty in the fourth quarter, uh, put up a bunch of points Uh, It feels very similar to that in the sense that uh, when they have to, and maybe even when facing adversity, that this team can, uh, yeah, can make some big plays Uh, and and make, you know, what, like three touchdowns in like a minute 30 or a minute 50. Uh, Obviously, anytime you have a pick six, that helps uh, because that's just mere seconds on on a game clock. But um, yeah, I I don't love the 17-14 because you don't want to be down 14 nothing to Ohio State. Cause that's not a team you're going to, you know, easily come back on. Uh, but the fact that you go in 17, 14, uh, and then have kind of that explosion of 28 points, uh, in the, in the third quarter, uh, and then 10 more after that, you know, even though the ones in garbage time, uh, yeah, 52 to 17 is a dominating game, uh, especially considering that you were losing 
at halftime. So I guess I have the confidence in, in just more than the red zone scoring that uh, when needed, uh, they can change just enough on offense and defense uh, and even special teams after giving up a black punt for a touchdown uh, to, yeah, uh, become a dominant team and kind of run away with things. And that's not always, uh, you know, something we'd be able to put faith in, in in the past is, hey, can this Michigan team run away uh, after, you know, a close game? You know, this this team this year uh, and, and the team even last year at moments, they really truly are a second-half team. But, hey, you're playing with fire if you want to wait until the last two quarters in every matchup here on out. Yeah, Uh I guess one thing that I'm worried about defensively on the other side of the ball here is we've seen for a few games now Michigan's secondary get beat over the top. And it's not necessarily blown coverages, guys getting confused, receivers running wide open. It's just you see a lot of receivers against Michigan win one-on-one matchups, go up and and get the ball. It seems like um, if those are truly 50-50 balls, Michigan's on the short end of the stick here, and it's maybe you know a little bit of unluckiness, but the, there definitely could, I think, be something to that. And we were talking about Ohio State, and I mean, gosh, if, if Ryan Day's mind opens up and he's like, wait a second, I have a really good quarterback who can sling the ball over the, all over the field and some great wide receivers who can go out there and get it, Michigan might be in trouble because we've seen it against Michigan State. Uh, Rutgers had some success with that. I'm, I'm kind of curious to see what a, a backup quarterback in Nebraska will do. And then there's the Illinois game still, but you know, that's, that's an area I think of concern for Michigan right now defensively. And, and it might be like at this point, the only area of concern for that entire team, but maybe, you know, I'm, I'm maybe I'm, I'm freaking out a little bit about I'm finding something to nitpick. I don't know, but I feel like that's something to at least pay attention to. Yeah, I mean, it's really the only hole that you could think of on the defense. Uh, Maybe paired with, are they getting the quarterback enough? I think there's games where they look really good, and then I feel like there's games where, you know, it seems like the quarterback has a ton of time to to make a throw, and, you know, throwing up that 50-50 ball, it seems like, you know, receivers are outmatching cornerbacks. I think, uh, obviously, uh, with the injury to Jamon Green, you know, Will Johnson getting his first start, uh, I think that, you know, they're they're improving at that position. Uh, I think that the secondary was always going to be a question mark. The entire defense was always going to be a question mark. One thing we, you know, really can't question is that rush defense. Uh, you know, top rusher for Rutgers, 17 yards. Uh, and and Wimsat, you know, had some, some good throws and he had some bad throws, uh, including three interceptions alone in, in what, the third quarter, I think it was. And so as much as, you know, a good quarterback like CJ Stroud could have a field day. I do think that, you know, there's definitely other elements shutting down the run game, making a team one dimensional, making a quarterback, even as good as CJ Stroud, uncomfortable. Uh, there's things that you can do, but yeah, I, I don't, if you can't guard, you know, Jalen Reed or uh, I, I can't think of one of the receivers uh, from Rutgers um, right now, but my goodness, Marvin Harrison Jr., a dude that has had multiple three touchdown games. Yeah. I don't see how you can, uh, yeah, that's a philosophy is just chuck it around. Uh, it's going to be hard to defend that, uh, you know, and keep pace with Ohio State that way. Uh, and I think that's why, you know, people might be disappointed in what you've seen out of JJ. You know, Michigan thinks that they should be able to throw around like that, but they don't have to when you can have 200-yard rushers in essentially every game. So what I'm looking for this weekend is just, you know, sound football, maybe try to not 
be in a close game at halftime for once. Right. Uh, take care of the ball. Get some guys some rest. Uh, and, you know, maybe even get a backup quarterback in there earlier if it can be because, you know, we saw Cade McNamara, you know, likely uh, at the surgery, um, you know, out for the season it looks like, even though there's really not been an official, official announcement. Um, yeah, you know, JJ's got to stay healthy. Uh, you've got to find a way to to improve as a team, uh, but also, you know, don't don't get injured. Uh, and, and really, you don't want to look ahead. And this team really does seem laser focused week to week. But uh, yeah, Nebraska is not the biggest worry, uh, probably even for the players. But you do have to go out there and perform. Um, I think the last thing, even especially about this weekend, I like the two home games right before. You know, Ohio State, you feel confident when Michigan's at home. You got one against a team that, you know, they want to beat badly because Nebraska's just no good. And then if Illinois happens to be ranked uh, again by the time Michigan plays them, uh, it's your last home game of the season, you know, and hopefully everyone shows out for a cold November game. Uh, But then you've got to travel in in what will probably be the toughest road test Michigan's had since 2016. So, yeah, we'll see. But, you know, taking care of business is the model, at least up until Ohio State. You know, speaking of Cade McNamara, I saw some speculation from people on social media just wondering, like, if if the the approach with J.J. McCarthy has anything to do with the fact that you're down your uh, your backup quarterback who literally won you a conference championship and took you to the college football playoff last season. And I think there is something to that, or there could be. On the other hand, though, like what does what does that really have to do with pushing the ball downfield and being a a little more aggressive with your with your quarterback so i don't know do you think there's anything there because i'm i'm kind of torn on if that's a legit possibility yeah i mean if it was he's not running at all i'd feel differently you know there's definitely some things with him taking hits he got walloped quite a bit against Rutgers. you know he said he liked that because he's got to get used to responding to that. Uh, you know, he looked to take a hit instead of going out of bounds, and so I'm sure he got talked to. Every game he gets talked to about one of his rushes, right? Uh, you got to slide this way. You can't take this hit. You got to get out of bounds. The extra yard's not worth it. It's going to be hard to slow a kid down that's looking for contact, even if he's at the quarterback position. But, yeah, you know, I think that your game plan can – you could play your play things safe to keep his confidence up, to, to make the game slower for him. But I can't see them like completely changing course just because they're not confident in a backup quarterback. But that's a game, you know, like a Rutgers when, uh, you know, he finally sits or hopefully one of these next two games, you know, I, I'm guessing Nebraska will have more likely to have garbage time than Illinois because Illinois is also very good defensively. Um, you know, can you get the guy some rest? Uh, can you, can you win a game by just turning and handing the ball off and he doesn't have to scramble to pick up the extra yards? Uh, but then when it comes to Ohio state, you know, I think the reason they want him healthy is because you need him to, uh, you know, beat Ohio state, just like you need Cade McNamara last year to beat Ohio state. Uh, JJ McCarthy was doing everything he could to bring, uh, Michigan within striking distance in the Georgia game that was already well out of hand. And he took some major hits because of that. Uh, you don't want that halfway through the season. Uh, he's going to, you know, they're going to let him go, I'm sure, against Ohio State, especially if they're down and they have to throw. You know, he's going to have to be dancing around by any means necessary. So 
yeah, keep it safe, uh, win football games the way you've been winning football games. And, and I think he's going to continue to get more comfortable, continue to get better. And, and hopefully Michigan's receivers alone. And if, if it's one thing I'm looking for, can continue to get separation themselves, uh, because other teams, you know, seem to beat out Michigan's cornerbacks, uh, but it also seems like Michigan's receivers sometimes have trouble beating out opponent opponents, cornerbacks, uh, which is just as surprising to me. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what what kind of product we get in the field this weekend. But yeah, I'm guessing yeah, more positive things than negative things. If if uh, you know, if I had to guess about it. Uh, for prediction time here, Derek, I had forty nine thirteen Rutgers, and remember how I said uh forty nine was significant because it was divisible by seven. Yeah. Without that field goal, man, I had it. You, I said seven there. touchdowns. Michigan scored seven touchdowns. You were there. I guess. I guessed uh, a little late on the score. I think I was closer on Rutgers, though. Maybe what I had for Rutgers. Thirty-seven ten. Oh, Thirty-seven ten. Yeah. Okay. So, I, I was very, very close here. This might have been my best pick of the season. I like it. For Good. Michigan, Nebraska. Here's what I'm thinking. Michigan forty-five. Nebraska, we'll go 13 again, just like I did Rutgers. Similar score. It's got a similar feel. Um, could be one of those things where the score could be much more lopsided, but you're not playing your starters for some significant portion of the second half. I, At this point, I'm just kind of expecting a close score at the end of the first quarter. Hoping it's not a close score at halftime, though wouldn't be totally surprised if it was. And then, you know, watching Michigan play a really good third quarter, the way they have all season, and uh, taking firm control of this one. So 45-13. Uh, let's see. I'll go, uh, I think Nebraska probably scores a touchdown. So I'll go, uh, I don't know, let's go 41-14. 41-14. How do you get to 41 41, I'm going to go with, uh, let's see, go 35 and a couple of field goals. That's true. Okay. If, if it's not obvious, I'm I'm not going to say I'm bad at math, but like quick math. Math on the fly, division on the fly. I, I understand. I cannot do it. The only reason I I've always been good, and, and I'm surprised because I know your love for this game, but the only reason that I would always be able to divide sevens and threes is just because of NCAA football. That's the only oh. reason. I didn't kick a whole lot of field goals back in the day. My teams were too much of a juggernaut to ever kick a field goal. <laughs> I didn't even recruit a kicker when my I, – I, I, I had to start safeties at kicker. I didn't even recruit a kicker. I, all the five stars came to me, and I filled up the whole roster with running backs and wide receivers. But that's the only reason. That if you were to tell me to divide by sixes or you know fours, out of luck. But, you know, college football. you could football, do seven and three. Yeah, I could do seven and three because NCAA football. Uh, yeah, oh three all the way to you know when they stop making it in fourteen. Thanks God we're getting it back next year, huh? Hey, Kirk Herbstreit's supposed to be on the call. Really? Ah, he was speculating about it in a some kind of that'd interview. be that'd be good to have, and it would help uh, countless kids with their division tables. Yeah, absolutely, and that's the goal of the game, right? Is to really to an it is an educational guy. game. Learn a little bit yeah. about NIL too. I mean, think about the layer of that game with NIL now. 
I know. Imagine you are recruiting a five-star quarterback, and you're leading, and you're leading, and you're leading, and he's going to go to Michigan. Then all of a sudden, Texas A&M just backs up the Brinks truck, and you have nothing you can do in a football game. Yeah, Jimbo's like, hey, have you ever had $10 million and gone three and nine? Do you think you'll be able to Come control NIL in the game? I think whether or not you're able to control it, I think the game should like introduce a level of scandal. Like you're heading into rivalry week and you're starting running back. Got caught taking inappropriate deals outside the confines of an IL and you lose them. You know, I feel like if, if that was like a, I mean, it'd have to be very random. Oh, yeah. Because I think like if you play like people play my player and stuff in 2K and the storylines, you know, the same for everybody. And, you know, you're, you know, based on the story, like there's always, you know, adversity. It would have to be really random and it'd have to happen across the country and it'd have to happen at a, a rate that's not like overwhelming. Like imagine just stuff happens all season and it's like the game would kind of be. I don't say that'd get boring, but it would get old fast. Because you could basically be in year five and you would know that like, okay, something's going to happen to one of my star players. Yeah. And you're just kind of guessing when it's going to be. And I feel like it'd get too predictable and it'd grow old. But I do like the idea of, you know, throwing some, you know, adversity in the games because, yeah, you can get good at that game and you can build juggernaut teams. That's why a lot of people play with, the, you know, call them the Cinderella's a little bit more fun and competitive. You know, you could go undefeated and not make it because you're playing out of the Mac. So, and I'm also, you know, it's so crazy too, but this game is going to have a college football playoff. Oh, I can't wait. I mean, that's, we haven't even seen a game close to that. So, I mean, think about the playoff rankings and are they going to have SEC bias to make it realistic? Like <laughs> that's the last thing I want to talk about. I know we're hitting our 30 minute mark. Uh, you know, we are, everyone's so up in arms about the polls and I just did not oh, have yeah. confidence in Tennessee, even though that ranking was deserved horrible team i bet they lose again wow uh i mean who did they play georgia uh, but oh, who, who, who they, they have left see i don't well, <laughs> you think they lose again they might play old miss let me let me check i see uh missouri south carolina and Vanderbilt, okay. Okay, yeah, they're probably winning out. <laughs> but here's here's the thing: you're not gonna make the you're not gonna make the conference championship. You've lost to Georgia, unless Georgia loses. And you know, I don't I don't know who Georgia has. Let me, let me see if I can pull that up. Well, you're talking a lot of crap here, so I feel like you need to. Yeah, Georgia's got Mississippi State, Kentucky, and Georgia Tech. You know, I think it's just more of like they're the story. They're the story. You know, even Ohio State and Michigan are getting love. SEC, SEC. You know, they beat Goliath, and then it's like, yeah, and then they went out and got stomped by Georgia in a game that didn't even look as close as the score said. So, you know, for me, it's all this hype. Tennessee, two SEC teams, and. All you do is see Tennessee lose and powerhouse Alabama lose once again. So, sure, I'm sure two loss LSU will get into the playoff over one loss Michigan or one loss Ohio State. Whoever loses that game will deal with that when that comes. But, yeah, I mean, I just love all the conversation. And then, boom, like they're essentially a nobody, at least until the season figures itself out because they couldn't even win their first game, uh, the number one ranking. 
maybe next week we can go a little deeper onto the rankings and stuff. Oh, it'll be. I mean, there's. I can tell I think you there's plenty that can. There's plenty uh, that can continue to happen. You know, Michigan doesn't really play much of anybody. Ohio State plays Indiana. I think USC's got go you know a weaker uh, conference opponent. Uh, I think LSU Arkansas because they play on the road after a you know the high of beating um, Alabama. But I, I don't know that this is the most exciting week college football if i'm if i can recall looking at some of the previews uh you know what we'll have to also talk about next week is michigan basketball i said we were gonna do it uh did not remember until 15 seconds ago hey one and oh uh jet howard for heisman player of the year <laughs> i'm gonna try to keep it football related i'd love to see him strike the heisman yeah let's introduce that instead of hunter dickinson's uh pg-13 celebration down the court yeah let's let's strike the heisman yeah like you that. know you might get caught lacking in transition d but yeah probably worth it hey, totally worth it game to look out for i just saw it. texas tcu tcu okay. uh time? top four uh texas 18 uh 7 30 so i think your speech will be wrapping right up after you go for <laughs> you know, an hour. Uh, and, uh, yeah, you'll, uh, be able to watch TCU in Texas. Hell yeah. And then, so we'll talk about that. We'll talk about Michigan. We'll talk about playoff rankings and we'll talk about Michigan basketball all next week. So strap in. We're going for two hours. Hell yeah. Let's do it. We'll catch you next week. Hopefully talking about a Michigan win, getting ready for Illinois. And then of course, Ohio state. So we'll see you there. Take care until then. And go blue. Go blue.